he wanted to sell it to me for like five ETH. And I'm just like off my shit on trims. And I'm like thinking about it. I like waited like a half hour to respond. I said, yeah, fuck it. Like, let's do it. Like, it looks good. Like, I, I think this is like the best super GM of the bunch. I'm sure this will be fine. And then like five days later, the floor is like three ETH. <laughs> and the super GM's probably worth like 20. Lesson learned. I will always trust uh, anything you ape into on trims. So. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the NFT Now podcast. Every Wednesday, we speak with trailblazing artists, collectors, and technologists about how NFTs are redefining the creative economy and how you can be a part. I'm Sam Heisel. I'm Alejandro Navia. And I'm Matt Medved. And we're on a mission to empower the creators of culture. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Another week, another NFT Now podcast. Here we are yet again. Matt, what's good? Who we got? Doing so great. We've got an amazing guest on, uh, our good friend Dees. Just such a pillar in the space. Uh, he is the director of Vibes at Fractional and also one of the most influential commentators, tastemakers, and collectors in the space. He has really become uh, one of the leading figures on Twitter spaces. Um, His space has helped a number of really incredible artists come to prominence and and, and reach their spotlight, particularly in the photography space, uh, where he was a real champion of rising artists like like Kath Simard, just like created a space for them to achieve the attention that they deserve. It was great hearing his thoughts there. He's also an incredible collector, and I loved hearing his collection thesis. What stood out to you, Sam? Yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely, this episode is a gem for the collectors, people that are looking at how to collect in the space. I mean, here we literally have one of the top collectors in the space who's breaking down principles for evaluating different projects, some of his own favorite and exciting up-and-coming projects, sell disciplines, right? Like diamond hands, but don't want to get caught holding the, the bag. Gotta um, take profits. Yeah, 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 exactly. There's no harm in taking profits. So I, I think just getting very tactical from one of the best in the biz at this and speaking very openly to his approach was really valuable. So for people that are really focused in collecting, this is great. And then I think too, it's it's nice because we do kind of balance it with some of the, the innovation and, and developments in this space. Because I also do think and do commonly find myself just in, in talking with people about NFTs, it's like he's crushing it from an investment standpoint. And this is, we'll disclaim, this is not financial advice, but like, don't think that like the, the, the merit of NFTs is solely them as an investment. I think that's, it's one interesting application, but there's tons of cool utility too. So I think it is, uh, with that said though, very fun to dive in with these. So do want to dive in. Last thing, if you haven't already, definitely be sure to check out our, uh, our newsletter, nftnow.com. Every, uh, once a week, we're distilling the NFT market into actual insights so you can get involved. But without any further ado, Dees. Dees, welcome to the NFT Now podcast. Been trying to get you on here for a minute. I'm so glad we can make it happen. Yeah, thank you for having me. I know I've probably uh, dodged a few of your inquiries, <laughs> but you, you got me in. We got you. No, you know, it's, it's been a, a busy and crazy past few months for everyone. Like the market's been wild and I think we're all uh, dealing with a million things at once. Yeah, I mean, the last three months have felt like it's been three years. I don't know. Um, I have to like keep myself grounded and remind myself it's only been three, six months since all this started getting really, really crazy. But I'm glad to finally be here and talk about, you know, what's happened over these three to six months and all that fun stuff. Dope. Well, why don't we get things started? For those who may not know um, your backstory, just quickly talk a little bit about your entry into crypto, into DeFi, and then your journey into NFTs. Yeah, I got into crypto in 2017. 
Um, long story short, I was in some fantasy football and basketball groups, and they were making more money trading crypto than they were making playing DraftKings and FanDuel. I tailed them into crypto, not knowing anything about what I was doing, just like throwing money on Binance and different exchanges. And I did okay. I did like really well for two months and then it topped and I did horrible for a year. Um, I kind of always just stuck with crypto. Like I didn't think it was dead after 2017. I just didn't know what would happen. I just knew I had to be around. Um, fast forward to the pandemic and DeFi summer in that time frame. Uh, I was working from home. I was just doing like uh, IT work for the government from home. So I was basically just free to do whatever the hell I wanted. Um, and it, that was just like staying up all day on Telegram and Discord trading um, these like really bad DeFi coins that summer. It was just you were trading complete garbage um, and hoping that somebody else would buy it from you later on playing hot potato. Um, I did well playing hot potato. And my friend Trill was like, you need to buy a crypto punk. Um, this is a zombie. That you need to buy one. And I was like, nah, I can't do that. That's that's too much money right now. It's like 30 ETH, which at the time was like $15,000. Um, I bought a floor for like $1,000. It was my first punk. I joined the punks discord and I kind of went down the whole rabbit hole with their community and then art blocks. And that's really what started me on my NFT journey for sure is just owning one punk and then going down that whole rabbit hole. But that's kind of the TLDR. I love it. I love it. And it's uh, gone very, very deep down the rabbit hole indeed. In in that vein, I, I'm very curious, just your, your perspective. I mean, everybody wants the alpha, the, the the hot tips, figuring out what's the next project. Very curious how you stay informed. Where do you really kind of get your alpha as a collector? Yeah, I've been lucky to um, kind of create this network of people I really trust amongst like different small telegrams and discord groups. And I feel like most of my alpha now comes from these high signal voice or not voice chats, but high signal chats. Um, before I was mostly spending time in like the Artbox Discord, the Punks Discord, and a few other big project discords, trying to like just see what people are talking about in the general chat. And if there was kind of confluence between like, you know, maybe something that was being talked about in the apes chat and the punks chat or the Kongs chat is another good one where people are known for like finding things really early. Um, so, but it was more like just being in these like more public discord chats, knowing where to look. Um, now it's, I get overwhelmed with messages from like telegram and discord and Twitter. So I have like a few chats on notifications where I get most of my stuff from. Makes total sense. And, you know, kind of, kind of tying it back to, to crypto punks, you know, I know that you're, you're really respected in the space as, as a, as one of the best crypto punk traders. And I know we've talked a little bit about, um, some of the unique elements of the market, the fact that it's, you know, highly liquid and that, you know, the lack of fees. Um, but I'm curious, you know, for, for those who are tuning in, like, what is your thesis with crypto punks and, and what is your approach as a, as a trader in those markets? It's kind of changed over time for a long time. I thought, um, punks were just like the most blue chip liquid NFT to own and that, um, capital from other profitable NFT endeavors would flow back to punks through like kind of like the idea of like trading shit coins to stack Bitcoin is like trading shit NFTs to stack punks was kind of the idea. And then um, obviously apes came along and kind of shattered that thesis. I, I don't think like punks are, are worthless or anything, but I think like the market has a clear desire for teams that are executing each and every day now. And they're willing to rally behind that desire with both their capital and their time. 
Um, so I've had to adapt in terms of thinking about how the market works before I just wanted to stack punks. And now I would say that like, I have like three punks I want to hold for a really long time, but the rest I'm, I'm good at, you know, cutting and moving on with. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of look at the market now as like what teams have the boldest and biggest ideas and like, where is the biggest upside on betting on them to execute on those ideas? I do want to take a step back and just kind of talk through like the apes and punks. I mean, really just dial in on the, the apes. I know to somebody that's not in the community, hasn't necessarily been paying attention, they can be genuinely dumbfounded to see what the floor price is or the, the headlines of like X celebrity buys Y ape for $500,000. On our end, we have lots of exposure. We, we know that there's IP ownership that comes with it. There's the community, there's a growing base of utility. What excites you about the the long term value and, and makes you see something like a like an ape as this like blue chip thing that will continue to grow over time? Yeah, I think the exciting thing is um, seeing just how far their community has reached and like how big of a global powerhouse like board apes can be. We're seeing them kind of everywhere now. Or I've seen some events in Asia um, that I didn't expect, but like you know, didn't realize, I guess, how big of a global entity 10,000 apes could be, because in my head, it was like, oh, there's like 10,000 of these, how big could these actually get? But now it's becoming to the point where they're like, hey, when are we getting our own, you know, Soho house type membership where I go to Miami or LA or New York, and I want to be like, around other ape owners, like what, how do we get this? Um, I think I'm more excited for ways that they're going to continue to cross into like the high status slash like luxury traditional markets and like bring in those people who would spend a bunch of money on other luxury goods to, you know, spend money on these digital luxury goods. Totally. Because I think like that just helps all of us in here, whether you own apes or not. Um, it just helps bring more like high net worth individual exposure into the space. Totally agree. And, you know, it's been really interesting to kind of see the cyclical nature uh, of the market cycles The you know, we saw, obviously, we've seen, you know, PFPs really drive this, this market boom. Um, you know, last year, we saw that that huge run up on art blocks and generative art. Um, we've seen, you know, from time to time, uh, like, you know, the money flowing back into one of one crypto art. I'm curious, just like, what is your outlook on sort of the market cycles as we look ahead to 2022 and beyond? Yeah, it's always trying to figure out like where the next rotation is going to be and then trying to put yourself ahead of the curve. Um, I think the big one that has kind of played out in some sectors, but is still yet to fully blossom is this like gaming narrative of NFTs and gaming. Uh, but you've already seen really big run-ups in tokens like Stand and Axie and um, Jewel, amongst others. Also, on the opposite side of that, going back from gaming, we also have like music NFTs, which I think are another interesting sector that is starting to catch fire, but like not close to the upside I think is possible there. So music's another one I'm kind of on the lookout for, like when will capital rotate into that? I think we're starting to see it. Um, I haven't made any purchases yet, so I don't want to front run myself, but it's an area that I'm paying a lot more attention to going forward. On top of gaming, which I think is like a, just a great narrative in general, even though like there's so many small sectors of gaming, each project seems like they want their own game or their own land or a combination of the both. So yeah. And you know, obviously, everyone's kind of always looking ahead and, and trying to figure out like the macro trends for the crypto market, how that's going to affect NFTs, like, 
What are your thoughts there? Like, do you feel we have a, a crypto winter coming? Do you feel like there's a major correction happening? Do you feel like NFTs are going to go through that? I feel like any consolidation with just like Ethereum and Bitcoin versus the dollar is good for NFTs. I think when people get bored with their tokens, they're more likely to spend them on these NFTs. Like, I, I don't have very strong conviction either way if we're going to like $6,000 per Ethereum or $1,000 per Ethereum. I kind of look at NFTs like a, uh, bet on less volatility if there's less volatility then i think there's more upside in nfts because for me a lot of the nft trades i make they're they're centered around like getting more ethereum not necessarily dollars so it's trying to think about like when is my ethereum better placed into an nft for upside in the short to medium term versus like when is it better for me just to hold this token because it's being volatile? But I, I don't have super strong conviction either way, which which way the market's going to go, other than like, this is how I'm looking at my NFT exposure compared to the market in general. And I'm curious too, just to dive a, a layer deeper as far as just general principles for evaluating whether or not it's worth supporting and investing in a project. Um, I know you've already alluded to some different factors and criteria, but when you think about these core factors and criteria, I mean, do you have like an internal checklist you're really trying to work backwards from? Yeah, I, I should have. I feel like I'm uh, very much based off of vibes, but like <laughs> I try to go into the discords and see how the team is interacting with the community. Um, ideally, I want to talk to the team on like a Twitter space or if it's an artist, talk to the artist either in like DMs or on a space if possible. But I try to just like vibe out the team. Like one of the things that Alien Friends I really liked was that I talked to Mason for an hour in a space and I could just tell like from talking to him that I kind of liked his vibe. And I was like, okay, like what's this guy doing with these friends? I bought a few and then like a week later their Discord gets hacked uh, because a moderator had bad permissions on his account or whatever. And they lost like $200,000. And Mason was like, no, we'll just refund everybody. Like, let's set up a form. And he went through this whole process of refunding all these people who like FOMO'd into a fake website and minted a fake project thinking it was like Alien Friends V2. And it just kind of showed like the type of person he was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, he didn't have to do that. Other projects definitely have not done that. Um, but he said, no, we have to make it right for our community. I like seeing things like that with other projects. Um, also seeing like doxed people who have a lot to lose starting a project is a good sign. Like um, Pablo Stanley from Robotos comes to mind where he's just like a good dude with a really big background in design who came in the NFT space and did his own project. And it's like, you know, he's not just going to walk away from it and be like, oh, tough shit, like it didn't work out. Other than that, you know, I like seeing a good ratio of holders to like, um, I like to see like a good distribution of NFTs. So, like there's 10,000, you know, I'd like to see ideally like 4,000 plus owners, uh, like a 40% or higher rate, like apes, I think are 60% ish right now, uh, which is like a really good thing. Um, same with alien friends. Like I look for like a high distribution so that, you know, a lot of people aren't just like holding 20 or 50 of them. You can look on Nansen and look at the holder breakdown to see like, where are the whales and what have they done over the last week? Are they buying or selling and that type of stuff? But I try to get a feel for like, who's going to dump on me if the prices go up. And um, sometimes, you know, those people too. So like, you see somebody who owns 5% or 10% of an avatar project, and you know that they're in it for profit, like the floor could be one or two ETH for a while while they sell out of their bag, 
before the price goes up. So I try to think of just things like that too. And then I guess on the, the flip side, like, I mean, and I, I guess the answer to this question sometimes can be like the inverse when you see a lot of other people selling, but like, what what's your kind of like principle and philosophy on like, okay, this project has five X, five plus X, whatever it may be. Like, what are you using? When do you know it's the top or when do you, what's your kind of sell discipline for when to get out? Yeah. I always want to look at the opportunity cost of holding, um, a bag versus rolling it into something else. I think like with Cool Cats is a good example where when they got to like a 10 ETH floor, I thought it was going to be really hard for them to do another 2X and that maybe I could put, you know, one Cool Cats 10 ETH. I could take that 10 ETH and buy, you know, 10 different 1 ETH or five different 2 ETH things. And the chances of that capital doubling is probably higher than the Cool Cat doubling again. Uh, so I do think things through like that but i also have like certain bags or it's like a longer term play like i have four or five cool cats that have a really low cost basis that like i just don't want to sell really ever just like let Quan execute and let him it's in my mind it's like a free roll like i've made enough off cats and have sold enough that like i'm comfortable holding these ones for a long time so i do have bags like that where not really like like forgotten runes is another one where i think i minted like 30 of them and I gave out some to friends when they were like 0.1 ETH and I think I sold like maybe five total, but the five I've sold have more than covered the cost of the 30. So I'm just comfortable holding on to them and seeing like, you know, what do they do with um, the execution risk they're taking on because they're building a game and doing all this other cool stuff. So it really totally. just comes down to like looking at your whole portfolio and being like, okay, uh, cats are 20% of my bag and I could take, you know, 50% of my cat bag and roll that into something different. And what does that look like? And then, you know, moving those pieces around in your head and then actually making the trades. And real quick, I know you mentioned you kind of are looking at like Nansen for various data points. What tools or what's kind of like your dashboard stack, if you will? I know lots of times everything's in these disparate places, wallets, whatever it may be. How are you kind of aggregating and enabling better decision making through tools and software? Yeah, so I would say by far Nansen is the one I use the most. And I had actually bought the subscription before I knew they would even have like an NFT platform. I was just using it for shitcoins. On top of that, I just found a new one today called flips.finance. And that has like um, nice dashboards for like project floors and charts over time. So if you want to see how the charts on like any projects floor looks, this site's pretty good. Um, Crypto Slam used to be like my daily go-to, but I have since just basically replaced it all by Nansen. Other than that, I, I use like the OpenSea activity feed a fair amount, especially when I'm trying to buy a new project. I'm like constantly looking at the OpenSea listing activity on that project, trying to snipe good things. But yeah, other than that, not not as many tools, I guess, as you would think. Uh, NFTbank.ai and WGMI.io. Those are two more sites. Um, NFTbank.ai has a pretty good export for all your nft trades like probably one of the most accurate ones i've seen at least so far um and then wgmi is kind of like a floor slash portfolio tracker you could pay 0.1 eth and get like a lifetime subscription to this premium it's like a really functional site that's not super aesthetically pleasing but all the functionality you could want of like all of your bags the cost basis the floors on the collection the floors on the trade all that's there 
So I would say like maybe those five to six websites are what I use the most. I love that. And I love like the end, like kind of like the analytical approach you, you bring to it, you know, thinking about like percentages of your portfolios and various projects. Uh, I'm curious to hear too, just like as a, an overall, like, like, like portfolio balance, like what percentage of, of your ETH is in NFTs? Like what percentage is sort of like your, too like, much. How, how, how much of your crypto? <laughs> yeah. What's the... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, right now it's well over 50% of my net worth is probably in NFTs. <laughs> probably too, I feel that. too fucking much <laughs> is the answer. Um, I definitely have like this small amount of liquid ETH compared to the rest of my portfolio. It's like a very safe amount of stables for all my taxes and like some comfy IRL stuff. And then a bunch of NFTs and then like a small amount of liquid ETH. I, I get liquid ETH and sh- shit just comes up and it's like, well, that's gone. Uh, like <laughs> I bought the X copy 101. I was like the most liquid I've ever been. And then a day later, an X copy 101 is like 240 ETH. And I'm like, I can't like not buy this. Like I'm going to regret this for the rest of my life. So I guess I'm not going to be liquid again, but here we are. <laughs> it's like those things come up and it's, good to be liquid for them because if right. i wasn't liquid i wouldn't have been able to do it but then it happens it's like okay i'm gonna sit on this for like months not in a hurry to get rid of it so uh, i just kind of roll with the punches and try to make sure at the the very minimum it's like taxes are covered and then what i'm trying to do irl for the next couple of years is covered in, in cash off to the side and then the rest is uh, i treat it like video game currency probably a little too much I always treat my theory on like RuneScape gold. It's kind of in my head how I'm like stacking more gold by trading these different items. (laughs) Totally. Well, you know, you got a great deal on that X copy 101. So I I can't begrudge you pulling the trigger on that. It was such a bizarre scenario. I don't think um, anyone really expected Basilius to do a one ETH reserve auction. And then when the site, like I bid with 10 minutes left and the site went down, I like ran over to my wife's computer, like, refreshed nothing was loading so i just said i'm gonna lay on the floor and wait for my phone to give me an alert that says like you received 240 whatever ethereum like meaning someone outbid me and i didn't get that alert after 10 minutes and was super excited and then i you know hosted space and ran around my neighborhood like an idiot and it was great (laughs) i I love that I, i love that um well, look, we love the alpha here on NFT now as well, as you know, well, like, what are what are some projects you're excited about? You know, some lesser known ones, the ones that are a little under the radar? Like, what are you excited about? I would say like, the biggest ape I've made on a lesser known project is probably the Galactic Gang, which is a project by um, Chris Dyer, who does a bunch of psychedelic art. He's just um, big in the psychedelic space, basically, and came out with this super trippy project. It's like 0.2, 0.3 ETH floor, and I think there's 5,000 of them, or 5,555. Full disclaimer, I have like 10 floors, and I bought one of the 101s, like the, um, it's called the Wacky Wizard, but it's this really animated, tripped out wizard who I love. Um, so I'm talking to them in a Twitter space tonight, so they're top of my mind. I think like um, the Death Bats Club, what Avenged Sevenfold's working on is kind of being slept on. Like you get a good amount of utility and the last i checked the bats were under 0.1 eth um and it's like you get tickets to shows meet and greets um certain ones they're kind of like the v friends model where certain ones have certain traits that allow you to like go golfing with the lead singer or get like uh guitar lessons from sin or you know other different type of things those are two off the top of my mind i feel like i've been playing a bunch of hot potato with a bunch of like new profile picture projects 
Um, the only other one I'm super bullish on is obviously the Alien Friends, which I've been using as like my avatar for the last couple of weeks. And I've traded a mutant ape for a Alien Friend I really like for my wife. So I, I kind of made a bigger bet on these. Um, I just like the leader and I like what they're doing with like the mutants or the incub- incubators, they're calling them. Um, so yeah, those are some things I'm looking out for. And I'm pretty honest. Like I just tweet stuff when I find it. And I, half the time people will ask and I'll be like, I was just really high and I bought this. Like, I don't really have a thesis. Like it looked good. Like the caked apes last night, I bought like three of them. thought they looked sick. And someone's like, why'd you buy these? Like, I can't, I don't get it. And I'm like, I was just like really high and they looked good. They were on my feet. Like, <laughs> so it's like, Making sure I tell people, hey, like, there's really not a thesis behind this. Like, it's just. <laughs> I, I it remember is what I, it is. I DM'd Vox. you that alien friends that you were like, oh, you know, I was high and I was like, oh, so maybe I won't ape it. And I, I should have done I should trust <laughs> ID. I should trust <laughs> ID. I, I remember I was like, <laughs> I, I was tripping on shrooms and my friend had this super GM alien friend and he's DMing it to me and like, he really needs a win. Like, he bought this thing for 0.4 ETH he hasn't had a big nft win all year and like he wanted to sell it to me for like five ETH, and i'm just like off my shit on shrimps and i'm like thinking about it i like waited like a half hour to respond i said yeah fuck it like let's do it like it looks good like i, I think this is like the best super gm of the bunch i'm sure this will be fine and then like five days later the floor is like three <laughs> and the super gm's probably worth like 20 my friend had i don't know like 20 or 30 floors and this super gm and he sold it all way too early no. and he's like fuck <laughs> no when you when you but, paper bat hand it uh <laughs> i mean i think for him it was more like wow i minted something that like didn't just go to zero and stay there um whereas for me it was like wow these are a pretty high like they're reminding me a bunch of the cats both not yeah. the art but um the community and yeah. how like they were behaving in the discord so i was like all right like i, I like this vibe i'm in yeah well l- lesson lesson learned i will always trust uh anything you ape into on shroom so <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I made some poor decisions this weekend i uh, i bought i think seven or eighty worth of lemons those are are, are down bad <laughs> I, I also own They're a down lemon. like 50 percent from where i bought them. <laughs> we'll see we'll see life is long right um but uh no it, i appreciate all of that you know and you know geez it's been really cool because you know over the past year or so like your twitter spaces have really become I think arguably one of the most important forums in the NFT space. And and they've given a platform to a lot of artists, especially in the photography space. And I think you've been a real big champion of of that space. How how did that happen? Let, let's hear it. How did how did that all happen? What tell take us yeah, through the Lindy Walks, you know? Completely unplanned, like everything else in my life. I was hosting Twitter spaces basically because my my friend so if we go back to June when Twitter Spaces came out. I had a friend who was driving home in LA traffic every day and he was in traffic for like 45 minutes. So he would host a space and I would join his space and we would talk about nothing. And it was great. One day I was like, why am I not just hosting these? He's not going to be in traffic for four hours and I'm bored. So I just hosted Twitter spaces for like a couple of weeks talking about nothing. It was great. Then one day Justin Aversano, who's my good friend, someone I had collected from and owned pieces from, came in and was like, hey, Kath Smards in the audience, you should bring her up to uh, talk about her new super rare drop. And I was like, sure. 
like we had no agenda we were talking about nothing uh she comes up and like for like two or three hours you know we just start talking about adventure and like landscape photography and all the work that goes into hunting down the locations and the bodily tool on actually like executing on these adventures and you know the vision behind all these shots and stuff and it really kind of like rewired my brain uh before i was looking at photography as like this instagram feed stuff that like i just i didn't appreciate i was like oh it's like just instagram but now nfts like i don't i didn't i never spent a lot of time in an instagram world like i don't like really care i never thought about like the story behind the pictures like really you know poor excuses on my end for just like not being curious but after actually hearing her talk about it it flipped the switch i was like wow okay i'm gonna look at every picture ever completely different after hearing you talk um so i bought one of her pieces that night and i think i bought a few more pieces from other photographers over the next few days um and then just talking to them in spaces i, I really like talking to them so i just hosted a bunch of spaces for photographers who were new to the space or you know dropping a collection or whatnot I, I burnt myself out on like spaces between that july and august so it's just hosting like three to five people per day for an hour to two hours per person and i got to the point where like i could tell people are just trying to like use me to get me to promote things and it started sitting with me wrong but like it just came from me being bored and wanting to know more about all of their stories more or less um and it kind of just blossomed into this really big community which i never saw coming with the rise of photography nfts i know a lot of people a lot of mumblings um everybody thinks that 2022 very much is the the breakout year for photography nfts obviously there's been a, a fair amount of traction and momentum already um like can what are your thoughts on the the market what do you expect to see in 2022 as it pertains to photography nfts yeah, I think um, obviously over the last three to six months, we've definitely seen a big explosion in photography NFTs. Um, I hope to see that momentum continue. I'm paying attention to what Justin's working on with Quantum. Um, I'm paying attention to the raw DAO and the people they bring in as well as invest in. Um, also, Obscura DAO is another one of these photography collectives I've been following. Um, I don't really have any like bold takes. Like, I'm honestly learning as much as I can just about like the art side of photography from the best photographers I know in DMs that could get like private lessons, basically like what makes this good versus bad versus like, what do you see in this person that you don't see in other people? Like having those type of conversations has really helped me because like for me, I was making all my investment decisions off of like vibes and how much I like the piece. And now I'm trying to apply more of like an artistic lens over what I'm potentially buying. Uh, but yeah, I don't have any like super bold predictions. I, I think the photography market is just like, it's already I think there's like gonna be higher upside in like music stuff that I don't like wanna give all my attention to photography all of twenty twenty two because I have such a big photography bag already and I feel like I've made a lot of good bets on good people in the photography space who could go on and do like amazing things. So I'm like in my mind trying to position a little ahead of like where I think the curve will be. But I'm definitely still bullish on photography and I, I hold a ton of it. What are, what are some other underappreciated NFT use cases that you expect to see blossom like in 2022 and beyond? I want to see, I don't know if it'll be 2022 because I think maybe the regulation needs to be clear, but I want to see more like 
fractional ownership of real assets on the blockchain, whether it's like real estate or like fine art or like anything. <laughs> I, I we get a bunch of questions at fractional about like how can we do real world assets, and the answer right now is like we we can't, um, at least not as uh, our company in its current state. I want to see like yeah, I guess more standard real world cross use cases I don't think will come without um, clear regulation and like clear frameworks from the government. Um, I'm hopeful that maybe we'll get that. Like, I, I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in them, but I'm still hopeful that it's better for them to give us like clear frameworks to work within rather than like tell us retroactively what we did wrong and then keep it this giant open gray area that we don't fully understand. So yeah, I guess more regulatory clarity is what I want. Cool. No, that makes total sense. And you know, for those who maybe aren't familiar, maybe if you could just give a, a brief rundown of, of, of Fractional and, and the work you're doing there. Yeah, so I'm the director of vibes at Fractional. It's kind of like a fancy name for a head community manager. But Fractional is a protocol that allows you to take any NFT and split it up into ERC-20 or ERC-1155 tokens. Basically allows anybody to collect any NFT at any cost other than gas which is the biggest prohibitor right now. One question we have too, I mean, obviously you see so many different projects, you've developed a really strong set of different uh, ways to really develop a deep understanding of the vibes. So I'm curious what advice you have for artists that are looking to grow, looking to build community, looking to to prosper in the space. Yeah, that's tough. I, um, I always preface like artist feedback and criticism with like, I'm, not an artist that i like don't ever want to like infringe on what i i like i feel like i'm not a creative so i shouldn't say things like probably what i'm gonna say um but i would say from what i'd see like i'd like to see more artists focus on just like being themselves while caring about their scarcity a little more i i noticed there's a bunch of artists i really like who like drop a collection once a month of like a hundred things and the other collection doesn't sell out. And it's like, then they drop another collection, and another collection. It's like, I like all these people as people, but it makes me not want to like invest in their art. And I, I don't ever want to tell them like, hey, I don't think you should mint this or that. But as a third party looking in the space, I, I see a lot of people that I would put money into that I, I won't because of how they mint things. Um, also, like I'm being a little more of a stickler on like OpenSea contract things going forward um and i've told some artists too like if you want me to cover like mint costs for foundation like just dm me i'll cover the mint costs and then we can you know figure out a way to subtract that from like the first piece i buy or something but trying to give them a incentive to just like say like no i'm not going to do it on the open shared contract and mint it in this sea of garbage those are kind of some things I'm, I'm looking out and another thing is like I hate to say this, but I think being in spaces and being active socially, like the space favors extroverts right now. Like you could be the best artist, but if you're so introverted that like the thought of writing a thread about your art or sharing your art in a space with other people like scares you, like the NFT space is going to be brutal for you because like I have DMs with other artists who are introverts and imposter syndrome slash like psychological effects that they share with me like it makes me feel horrible because they're not in the spaces like they might be in a european time zone that's bad for you know most spaces that go on so then they can't participate in spaces there and then on top of that like they're introverted so then they're looking at their peers in america who are 
in their mind, potentially making quote unquote worse art that is selling for 10x more because of the social work that the artist has put in. So like, I would just tell artists to, you know, don't completely discount that thing and don't be afraid to like go out of your comfort zone, even if it feels really strange and foreign because like 99% of people in this space are super genuine. They just want to vibe. Like no one is trying to pick apart your art or put you down. Um, it's just a super open space. It's just you have to put yourself out there for other people to see. Completely agree with that. I think you put that really well. I think that's really helpful uh, advice for artists. You know, when you think about it, it's like um, uh, people people really like are drawn to uh, personality and, and people are drawn to uh, community builders and people who are like really active in the space. And so um, I, I fully agree. It's like you, you got you to gotta kind of put yourself out there um, to become like a known commodity, a trusted commodity out here, um, because, it, you know, there's there's just such there's so much uh, there's opportunity cost with every investment and, and collection. And then there's also just there's there's just so much uh, coming out uh, all the time that like if you're if they're not looking at you, they're looking at someone else. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, uh, one thing I'd love to, to chat about too, and I know, um, we, we chatted about this before, uh, uh, you know, but just some, what are some of sort of like the unique challenges that you've kind of faced navigating this space as an anonymous collector and builder? And, you know, I know that, that, you know, you're, you've put yourself out there in some ways, like we've met in person, you've attended events, you know, people are respectful with, with photos when they, when they, uh, remember to be and all that, but how, t- <laughs> just talk about what it's like to, to navigate that and that balance you strike. Yeah, it's been completely new to me. Um. I've always been a anonymous, pseudo anonymous person online. And this is like the first year I've had any type of real world, I think, like influence. Um, so the one time I did decide to dox myself at a public event was like a two hour long space at NFT NYC. And I knew after I did it, that it probably wasn't a thing I was super comfortable doing again. Uh, like the people who come up and are like, I don't want to say like fans, but I guess they are like fans. It it was really jarring to me because I'm like much more a dude who just wants to like smoke outside and vibe and not like have people come up and be like, dude, I got to take a picture of you. And like, I, I can't believe I got to show this back to my friend. Like, and then I got to tweet this and tag you, even though you're going to ask me not to do it. And it was like the type of thing where I was like, okay, like that was an interesting experience, but I don't want that to be my every event life like i like that i can go to an event and it's like if you know you know who i am and like go talk and vibe but like i don't like just being like a public figure um so it's been hard for me to figure out how to handle it best i think the snap camera filter really helps we're talking about this before we started but it allows me to still feel like i'm a you know quote unquote real person in a conversation and not just by 2d static self Um, but also it's, you know, enough to obscure me and can't really tell who I am. Um, so I'm going to be playing with more things like this going forward. Also, you know, if I go speak at another event, like, what does that look like? Maybe I'll wear a mask or something as a way to obscure. Yeah. Just as a way to obscure it or something. Well, Dee's uh, makes perfect sense, and um, we really want to thank you for coming on, but also just thank you for all that you're doing to to uplift the community, to act as a beacon of knowledge and, and commentary and, and support and patronage. So, um, thank you so much for all that you do, and uh, keep up the great work. We love no, the Dee's. I, <laughs> I don't know what else I would be doing. Um, I've thought about it a lot this year too. Like, you know, what 
what do I want to accomplish with my life? Like, what are my next goals? And those type of things. It was like, I've just been following my bliss and just waking up doing what feels right. <laughs> and it's led me to here. I don't want to like keep that as my life motto forever. But for now, it's like, yeah, I don't know what else I'd rather be doing than building along here with the people in the NFT space. Like, where else can you go and find this engaged of a community with so many skilled people in so many different fields readily available to just jump into the next adventure and like do stuff together? Like, I just don't feel like it's there's there's nothing comparable that I've seen to this space. Completely agree. Completely agree. You know, like it's been you know with all the markets being so crazy, it's like we're like like feel blessed to be so excited about what we're doing that we're up all night and 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 back up in the morning at it. You know what I mean? Like, may we all be so blessed. So Dees, thank you so much for joining us. As I said, we love the Dees. Uh, thank you for everything you're doing in the space. And we will catch you next time on the NFT Now podcast. Man, well, that was a uh, really enjoyable conversation. I think he had a great perspective. His uh, anime AR filter had me had me tripping out half the, half the <laughs> conversation. I was like, damn, it's pretty sick. Um, what stood out to you, Matt? Look, like, I, I, I love Deez's vibe, and I know that that's so on brand for him because he's all about the vibes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he, he's just, he exudes good energy, um, and he's, he's one of, like, the true gems in, the, in this space. Um, and I, I love that he's used his platform to incubate and amplify uh, rising talent. And uh, I loved hearing his, his thesis uh, as a collector. I loved hearing his investment approach. Um, I love love the alpha, you know. Dee's is a great guy for that. And you know, I, I thought that the um, the advice that he gave uh, to rising artists was particularly on point as well. Yeah, one thousand percent. Well, uh, thank you, Dee's. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Incredible episode. Um, we'll be back next week. But until then, we are out. <laughs>